Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Talking Football podcast with me, Derek Clark. Each week we try and bring you at least one first-class interview with some of the biggest characters involved in the game. This week we're bringing you two in an extra bonus episode. I had the pleasure of chatting to renowned author Jeff Holmes, who's just released his latest book, Tortured, The Sam English Story. It tells the story of the gold machine whose career was pretty much destroyed following the tragic accident that claimed the life of Celtic goalkeeper John Thompson. Jeff goes into terrific detail to give us an idea of just how prolific English was in his day and how he and his family suffered for years after the fateful Old Firm game. It's a cracking read, folks. I'd heartily recommend it to not just Ranger supporters but the wider football-loving community. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Football Podcast. everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Fitball podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by the author of the recently released book, Tortured, the Sam English Story. It is Jeff Holmes. Jeff, thank you very much for, for coming on. My pleasure. My pleasure, Derek. Jeff, of course, m- most Rangers fans will, will know who you are, of course, but um, just for those that are maybe unfamiliar with your work and what have you... It gives a wee background about yourself and the sort of books that you've you've brought out um, before now. Okay, uh, mostly football. Started about two thousand and twelve, I think, writing books. I uh, had always written a bit of Rangers fanzine for years from about the late eighties, uh, and always, always, always wanted to write. Worked as a journalist, uh, covered matches for the Sun and the Record, and lots of other different papers up in Scotland. Uh, all sorts of. Scottish, Scottish matches at all levels. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Then started at the Paisley Daily Express and covered St. Mirren a lot. Uh, meanwhile, I was I was writing books. I think the first sort of major book I did was called Blue Thunder, the Jock Wallace story, yeah. uh, which was really well received by the family, which was fantastic. It's always the, the ultimate thumbs up. Uh, and yeah. then it was Davy Mucklejohn. And while I was while I was researching Davy Mucklejohn, I came across some English. Obviously, I'd known, I'd heard of some English, but didn't know an awful lot about him, apart from the tragic accident with Johnny, Johnny Thompson. But uh, I did autobiographies for Matt Walters, Alex Totten, Marco Negri. You know, so I did, I did quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, in, in this book that, that, that you've uh, released, um, Jeff, Jeff, what, what gave you the idea um, and the inspiration, I guess, to to um, focus it on, on Sam English? Well, in 1999, as most Rangers fans know, John Gregg was voted the greatest ever Ranger. Uh, and I, I saw Gregg at the tail end of his career, started watching Rangers in the early 70s. And fantastic player, you know, led by example, all, all the usual stuff. And he was, he was, you know, he was still a good player, even though he was coming to the end of his career. But I'd, I'd heard about this guy, Davey Meikle, John. Uh, and I always thought, you know, I always thought, well, John Gregg's a player, that's it. You can only vote for who, who you've seen in the flesh or who you've seen in TV. And everybody, David Nichols John started playing in the 20s and stuff. So I started researching them when I was walking down at Daily Record, the great archives, and I'd go in early in the morning to avoid the traffic, and I'd start researching David Nichols John going back to the 20s and 30s. And I read every one of them, every, one, every match report, every match he played for Rounders, I read the report, and we're talking about 600. And it took me months and months and months. And eventually, eventually I wrote a, a book called... Uh, the, the case for the greatest ever Ranger, David Meikle John, uh, 
And, and and during that time, as I say, one one name kept cropping up, and it's Sam English because it's such a dynamic first season in the seniors at Rangers, and he scored forty four league goals, a record to which stands, which still stands today. Uh, I, I thought, you know, some, something I'd like to some, one day visit the, maybe the career of Sam English. And meanwhile, I did another couple of books, and then uh, I came across Sam English's name one day, and I thought, time to time to revisit it now. So I started researching Sam's time at Rangers, and it really that first season was just. Absolutely sensationally, yeah. you know, he had forty-four league goals, nine Scottish Cup and Glasgow Cup goals, and he just for a for a guy playing at that level for the first time in his life, joined Rangers when he was twenty-two, straight from York Athletic, where he had scored, uh, I was told, just under three hundred goals and <laughs> uh, in, in three seasons. So you're like, nah, that's that's not. So I spent I spent four months four months trying to validate that and try to track down every goal. And I think I got to 260 and I thought, hey, this guy was decent. So we, 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 I said to myself, right, time to look a bit you know, beyond, the, beyond the Rangers stuff and the Yoker stuff. So I went down to Liverpool, uh, down to Hartlepool, went over to Northern Ireland to see where he had been born and then started looking back. He's, he's uh, gen, genealogy records and mm-hmm. census records and all that sort of stuff to see when he was born and when he came across to, to Scotland because the... The, the consensus was he had come across here when he was about 16 and got a job in the shipyards but yeah. in fact the, the family were when he was 18 months the family planned to move to Canada uh, sell the farm it's a flax farm they had and moved to Canada but I fell through so he was just, just about, about 20 months when he moved to, to Glasgow because when I, when I did his Liverpool stuff they were a bit they were a bit bemused by his accent. They, they were expecting this Irish accent, but of course he spoke a, a true Glaswegian yeah. uh, and they couldn't make up what he was saying and that's when <laughs> I thought, you know, this guy must have he must have come over here a lot earlier. So I, I, I absolutely fascinated. It was, it was fascinating. I love the, the old stuff, Derek. I love yeah. going back and looking at the and looking at the old players and the old teams and how they played and one thing that struck me as really interesting <clears throat> and I hope it interests other people was that when he was introduced to the dressing room uh, Alan Morton, the, the Rangers apparently unbelievable winger, said to him, uh, "Don't you come looking for me, son? Just you stay in the box, and I'll find you." Mm-hmm. So that gave that was a sort of that was a sort of general rule of thumb for centre forwards. They stayed in the box, they get the ball, and they put the ball in the net. And a lot that's why a lot of centre forwards scored a lot of goals in those days. But Sam English was different. He would he would drop off and come short for the, looking for the ball. It was absolute dynamite over. 50, 50, 60 yards. That's why a lot of teams in those days played offside eh, right up to the halfway line and he would, he would quite often beat them for pace. He was two-footed. He, could, he was five foot seven and a half. He could really hit the ball very, very, with the best of them with Dixie Dean. And he, he was he, he sort of changed the way Rangers played in that respect because Struth frowned upon you know his defenders going over the halfway line. He frowned upon his centre-forward coming out of the box. But English just... English kind of disregarded that not in a bad not in a, a, a terrible way but he, he just played his natural game uh, and, and Rangers started to adapt to the way he played and, and I think that's one of the reasons he scored he scored so many goals in that first season Yeah definitely and I mean he chose Rangers I was reading that um, he had the chance to well, to go to Arsenal as well but I mean he chose Rangers which was uh, great great for them of course and, and you mentioned that first season he was he was he was absolutely sensational but um, of course that's not what he was remembered for, isn't it? And it's, it's, that's part of the, the book is about, uh, is for that unfortunate incident with um, the Celtic uh, goalkeeper, um, John Thompson. Um, can you give us a wee idea of the incident that took place and, and how tough it was for not only Sam to deal with, but his family as well? 
Yeah, well, he was, I mean, he, John Thompson was, they called him the Prince of Goalkeepers. Apparently, the, outsta- the outstanding Scottish goalkeeper of his generation. Uh, only a young, young lad himself. You know, Sam joined Rangers at 22. He was 23 when that game came along. John Thompson was either 21 or 22. They were both, they were both kids. Uh, but, but Thompson was, Thompson was fearless. Uh, and, and partly the season before, in a match against, I believe, Airdrie, he'd suffered a similar injury. Yeah. Uh, because he was because he dived at the feet of one of the players and he, he got a fractured skull and he was out fractured skull broken collarbone you know oh. ribs a lot I mean he, he, really really bad injury and they wondered whether he would come back and play again and uh, but he did and in the in the meantime he, he started he started looking at an alternative career as a, a tailor uh, and you know and, and then and it was all it's all it's all the fates isn't it because in the day of the match Sam English had picked up a knock four days before the game on a midweek match against Falkirk he's taken a particularly bad bad kick to the ankle so Bill Stroud had decided to leave him out the Old Firm game and he wasn't happy about it because obviously everybody wants to play in an Old Firm game but you know he went along to the stadium told his mum he wasn't playing but he was going along anyway because he wanted to watch a match got to the stadium Jimmy Smith who was in his place uh, turned up and he, he turned up he was suffering from the flu so Bill Stroud sent him home and sent for Sam English and he played even though he wasn't 100% fit so right away you know there's a wee bit of, wee bit of the fates there yeah. and uh, John Thompson in a, in a, in a newspaper uh, article a week or a fortnight before it was given a goalkeeping master class and one of his thing, one of his things he said was to the young guys when you're going to come off your line you either come off your line or you don't you don't hesitate and according to an eyewitness behind the goal the Daily Express photographer at the Fail Accident Inquiry he said that John Thompson hesitated to ground up the six yard Line and then went again and lost that vital second. Now the Celtic Celtic defence at that time, the centre defence was was rock solid. And Jimmy Fleming, five minutes into the second half, of, which had been a very poor game, Jimmy Fleming noticed a gap in the centre defence. So played a ball through to English to run onto, and you know there wasn't many would beat him for pace. Sam English got to the ball roughly about the eighteen yard line, picked it with his right foot, sliced it placed across the ball to try and put it around John Thompson because John Thompson was the absolute master of narrowing the angles the ball brushed off uh, John Thompson's shoulder and went narrowly behind but you know, John Thompson was just that bit the, the, the lad was just that bit behind and when he dived Sam English had kicked the ball planted his foot in the ground and, and, and young John Thompson's head hit off the inside of Sam's knee and down he went and down went Sam as well because he had a you know he had a he suffered an injury in it, and then the, the you know the Rangers fans down the goal happened at what is now the, the Copeland Road end, and the Rangers fans down the goal. Well, you know the usual cat calls. I get up, you're at it and stuff. And David Michael John went behind the goal and calmed them all down and quiet. And and Sam English in a later interview he only gave one interview in his life, and it was in 1963, and he said that this deathly hush went over the whole stadium uh, and the stretcher came on and. Willie Mealy, the Celtic manager, come on and they were all round him and they get carried off and, and, and Sam English said he spent the rest of the game waiting for him to come back on, you know, hoping he would come back on. But but sadly he never did and he and he died later that night in the hospital from his from his injuries. Yeah, and you mentioned there that the Celtic manager at the time, um Willie Mealy. There, there was a comment he made afterwards, wasn't there? I mean you never seen the actual instant, but it was a comment that sort of that stuck with well, uh, with Sam English. And it triggered a lot of old feeling, Derek. You know, because he said he was asked, he was asked if he thought the if he thought it was an accident. And he says, "I hope it was an accident." Yeah. And then he said, "But I didn't actually see it." Right now, I kind of looked into. Well, I, 
Willie Maley was, was, was demonised for making that comment and even by Sam English in his 1963 interview he said, uh, I don't know why he said it because, you know, if he hadn't seen it he shouldn't have said that because it condemned me to a lifetime of uh, abuse from, you know, from opposition fans and even opposition players in England. When he went to Liverpool he was the most fouled player in the English top flight that season. Uh-huh. You know, so, so another wee statistic but, so, but, but I spoke to a couple of people at Rangers, I spoke to a couple of historians and, and, and they say that you know, they're, they're prepared to give Willie Maley, Maley the benefit of the doubt, unlike a lot of people, because they said that Willie Maley had a great relationship with Rangers at that time, a fantastic relationship. In fact, when he left Celtic, he was welcome. He was, he was a guest of Rangers several times. And one thing I found that uh, the two seasons that, that Sam English was at Rangers, Rangers won the cup final the first season, and the first guy into the dressing room after it to congratulate them was Willie Maley, shook every player by the hand individually. And then congratulated the team, and then when same when Rangers won the Glasgow Cup the following season, he did the same thing. You know, so he was. Um, I think I think we should. We're probably better saying it was ill-advised comments, definitely. Yeah. And you know, and people's people's comments can have consequences, and obviously they did. But maybe to demonise him for something he said, and you know, something you can't you can't change the comments, can you? Know, you know, you can't you can't change what you said. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of historians are you know prepared to give them the benefit of doubt in that one and say it wasn't it wasn't malicious. Yeah, uh, he continued, of course, at Rangers uh, following that. I mean, it's it's a tough thing for for him to deal with, I'd imagine. And I mean, he stayed with the club for for a period of time afterwards. So from your research, you carried out and what have you, Jeff? But did he get a bit of stick at different uh, different grounds that he visited at all? Well, he was. He, he, I, I often wondered about that, Derek. I often wondered why, you know, because that because the old firm match was about I don't know about seven or eight games into the season. It was this. Yeah. It was the first week in September. He played a lot of games in August in those days, but he'd missed a couple. But I often wondered why he was able to go on, you know, and score. I think he scored hat tricks in three successive matches later in the season. He scored yeah. fifty-three goals all in. I often wondered why he was able to do that. But he said that he said that at first. He, he, he had only sympathy from everybody, you know, from fans and players, players, referees, officials. Everybody, he says, but it, but it, but it slowly dissipated, and before he knew it, he was getting he was getting a hell of a lot of grief from people and getting a lot of grief from fellow players. But you know, the the, the, the next old firm match after the, the the September the fifth one, it was it was a Glasgow Cup match at Celtic Park, and it was only. I think it was about four weeks after that match, so it wasn't that long after it. Yeah. And they, they only the ten minutes had gone, and he went up for he went up, Sam went up with the goalkeeper for the ball, and Sam English's head caught him in the chin and it knocked him out cold. And I thought, and everybody thought, "Fuck, here we go." Oops, sorry. But here we go again. You know, yeah. uh, the goalkeeper went down again. They definitely hush over the stadium. It's Sam English again. The player started jostling him, but the goalkeeper got up straight away and said, "I'm fine. I'm fine," and everything was forgotten about. But he was he was he was carried off twice during that match eh, because he was getting limbs kicked to him, and eventually Davy Meeklejohn, who was the captain, went to the referee, stopped the game, which the captains had the power to do in those days, eh, because managers, as soon as the players went onto the pitch, the captain was in charge, not the manager. So Bill Struth and the players often said that eh, if, if Bill Struth tried to ch- change tactics during the match, Davy Meeklejohn would have walked off the field. That's how that's how strongly they felt about it. So Davy Meeklejohn approached the referee and said. This this has got to stop. This has got to stop. You need to stop them kicking Sam English. Uh, that's twice he's been off for treatment. Uh, so the referee got the hold of the Celtic captain, and he told him, he says, uh, if it happens again, he'll send somebody off. Which was really it was. You very rarely get MD sent off in 
in the in the thirties. Very rarely, very rarely did people even get booked. So they, they took the warning, and there was no more kicking in Sam English. But that was to me that was the beginning of it, and it was only four four or five weeks. But he said he felt a bit like Gaza. You know, when Gaza yeah. said he felt at home in the pitch, it was the only place he could escape all the stuff. Sam English was still getting hassle on the pitch, but it was he was getting a lot of hassle off the pitch as well. You know, from people in the street. And even when he took football and went back to the shipyards, he was getting hassled in the shipyards again. You know, so it was it was an ongoing thing. And one one story they told was was particularly sad. He said he was his, his kids were only three girls, and the kids kids were quite young. You know, they were say they were ten, eight, and six. And he came back one day, had been playing golf, and he drove into the driveway, and the three of them were standing there. And the youngest one said, "Daddy, is it right you killed a man?" He says, "This was a few years after, you know, five or six years after the incident." And he says, Daddy, she said, Daddy, did you kill a man? Did you shoot him? And he said, no, no, no. And somebody in the park, the wee boy in the park had approached him and said, your daddy's a killer. He's a murderer. And he said, at that point, I realised I was never going to be able to escape it. And his dad advised him to go and look at his brothers in America and give up the game. But he didn't. And he, and he regretted that. He said he should have. He said he should have gave up the game. And, and just, he says, because he was never never left alone. <clears throat> when his first, his first match for Liverpool, he uh, went into a tackle and this guy comes steaming in behind him and he says uh, the guy the guy tackled him down and the, the guy Holmes from Sheffield United said oh, that'll be somebody else you've killed you know so so that was his first game welcome, welcome to the English English First <laughs> Division so after the game the, he told the manager and the manager reported it to the referee and the referee reported it to the FA and the guy got pulled up and brought up in a charge but he apologised publicly and no further action was taken but it was that kind of thing that that kind of haunted him even he left Liverpool and went to Queen of South yeah. and after less than a season with Queen of South I mean he has to be dropped at Christmas you know and, and then left a few games after into the new year uh, he said he was hitting, he, he did say the press at that point actually he said he was being hounded out of Scotland again he said it's happening again and it was a big furore over it you know there was the SFA uh, criticised him for coming out publicly and saying that and saying all you have to do is go and tell the referee and he'll sort it out if it's happening mm-hmm. which we, we all know is not going to happen so he left again and went to Hartlepool you know he was slipping further and further down the down, down the, the, the pyramid you know as they say and he you know he went to Hartlepool for I think it was £275 which was a record fee for them yeah. and he got it down there as well you know and so it was it never, it never left him and at 28 he, he gave up and went back to the shipyards yeah. and he said you know no man would ever have went back to the shipyards uh, if he was a professional footballer he says he must be the only one to ever do it but he had to because he had two kids. But he just couldn't couldn't play on. It's, it's a tragedy. I mean, of course, it's it's tragic what happened to, to John Thompson. But in terms of, I mean, Sam English, the guy was a goal scoring machine. He could have. It's, it's one of those where take he, he could have really become one of the the greatest players, one of the most well thought players of all time if if he had continued in that vein. Easily, because I mean. But he was he started off his he started off his junior football career with junior teams at Oakle Patrick in Port Glasgow where yeah. he's a teenager and he learned his trade and then he went to Yoker and uh, he's, uh, uh, the two Yoker officials came to his house to try and sign him and his dad says oh, he says he says there's no point in no point in signing him. He says he's never in before ten any night as <laughs> <laughs> people start going out at ten he says but they offered him they offered him more Yoker offered him more money than he was getting the he was working the shipyards at the time as a as a as a well he just served his time. Uh, and it's a, a, a rivet heater, I think. Uh, kind of sheet metal worker, sorry. Yeah. And so he decided to sign for him. And it was a time of the Scottish 
Scottish junior uh, football dispute. And a lot of, a lot of the, re- the leading teams at that level were unhappy that senior teams were just coming in and taking players and not offering compensation and you know just not even giving any notice. Next minute, the player would be away and they wouldn't know why he wasn't turning up for training or matches. So they went to the, the junior FA and they said, oh, see what we can do about it and the SFA, but it was just lip service. Nobody did anything about it. So they broke away and from the, the Scottish Intermediate Junior Association and it was all the top teams and Yoker were winning them. Uh, so there was, there was three years of that and in that time, no players were allowed to sign for any senior teams. So it gave teams a chance to, you know, build a build a really good team. Uh, and Sam English was probably the missing link in the Joker jig. So, so he was with them for three years. And when it when it you know as I've said it before, it was about two hundred and seventy goals in three seasons. Mm. So he was just an absolute goal machine, yeah. and he was just improving year on year. And he, and he later likened that level uh, to the top continental teams at the time. They were coming over from, from Germany and Austria, so it was obviously a very good level. And Joker played Clyde Bank with the 10,000 there, you know, so it was <laughs> it was well patronised as well. So he was learning his craft all the time with, uh, alongside really, really good players. I mean, so when, when the intermediate dispute came to a head, uh, when, when it was resolved in, in the summer of 1931, the players were free to join join the clubs. So, but there was a, there was a, there was a, a stipulation made that. If a, if, if a Scottish if, if a player went to a Scottish team, the, the maximum fee would be seventy five pounds. Whereas if he went to an English team, sky was the limit. Yeah. So after a game, after the, the dispute was the dispute finished this day at, mid, at midday, and Yoker were playing that night, and after the game, all the guys, all the managers were there. There was there'd been players, there been managers coming up from England. You know, there's lots of great managers from, from Newcastle, Portsmouth, all these all these teams, and also the great Herbert Chapman from Arsenal was. Yeah was among them and he turned he came up to Scotland. He came up to Scotland, travelled up after just having a, a big operation, birthed himself at the Serena Hotel, which was the, the place to be in those days. Yeah. And after the game the Yoker manager said, Right, we're going to tell you no in certain terms. I know you want to go to Rangers, but we want you to go to Arsenal because we'll get a big fee. Uh, he says, Well my heart's set in Rangers and he says, Well why don't you at least go to well, let's go let's get a taxi down to the city centre and speak to the Arsenal manager. So they went down to see him hotel and they spoke to they spoke to Herbert Chapman and Herbert Chapman says to him, he says, I'll be honest with you, son, he says, I don't know an awful lot about you. He says, but every manager in the country seems to want you. He says, so I'd be a fool not to join the queue. So he, he said, right, and he was very respectful and, and it was midnight before he got to Ibrox, but he, he signed as soon as virtually as soon as he gets Bill Struth, there's only one light on in the stadium and Bill Struth was waiting for him. Yeah. And they gave him a couple of hundred quid in crisp notes. And Bill Struth had been bunging him two quid a week. Uh, a wee pay, a wee pay packet would arrive at the shipyards every Friday with two quid in it to build right. through. So he wanted his man, you know, and he usually got what he wanted. So he he signed for Rangers, and in those days, Derek, he signed on. He only signed on for a year. There was no three-year contracts or five-year contracts. Right. So he, all the players re-signed at the end of each season. So the Rangers were delighted to get him, but they thought he was one for the future. Uh, and then he played in the, the the trial match at the start of the season and was, was unbelievable. And then as we know, he, he played in the first te- he played in the first team in the first game of the season, scored two against Dundee. He played Morton a few days later. They scored five in that game. You know, so it, it was just it was just it was just absolutely boring to score goals. Yeah. He had everything a striker. So you're, you're you're bang on. He would have been. He, he could have been. It's all, all hypothetical, but he could have been. He could have been the player that Ali McCoy's had to beat to win the yeah. to win the goals record. Not Jimmy Smith, but the guy that. It took over from Sam English. Sam English would have scored hundreds of goals for Rangers. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, his record still stands to this day: forty-four league goals in a season. Nah, Ibrox, nobody's beat it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's incredible. And, and I mean, it's good to see it. I mean, he was inducted, only spent two seasons, but he finally inducted in the, in the Hall of Fame at, at Ibrooks in, in 2009. And I think even uh, more uh, important is the, the introduction of the, the Sam English Bowl. Um, for maybe people unfamiliar with that, with that Jeff, That's right. how, how important was that for the family and, uh, and for recognition of the, the top scorer at the club every season? Well, I mean, I think I think apart from I think apart from Graham Souness, I might be wrong here, but I think from apart from Graham Souness, he's the player at that time. He was the player that played the least matches for Rangers that was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it shows you the kind of impact he made that season. I think there was a, there was a big campaign to get him inducted in two thousand and eight, which was the centenary of his birth. Uh, but but Rangers had already made up their mind to induct so like Johnny Hubbard and another couple of guys that were still with us. You know, so they they wanted to get them along and and, and you know and, and make make a fuss of them and stuff, which was quite quite right. But they were always going to they were always going to induct Sam English the following year. So two thousand and nine it was. In two thousand and eight, there was a the Rangers Supporters Association got together and decided to to try and up the profile of Sam in his centenary year. And what they, they did was they had a, a, a big dance at Ibrooks. They commissioned Sam English Rose Bowl uh, from Cara Murphy and. In Northern Ireland, she made an absolutely beautiful piece. I spoke to spoke to Cara for the book, and it was it was quite a it was quite a thing she created. And everybody that she showed it to, Ibrooks were just completely blown away. And I spoke to Andy Little, who won it in two thousand and thirteen, I think it was. And Andy just he he was just he was just knocked out, especially being you know a Northern Ireland international. Uh, and, and scoring half the amount of goals that Sam scored in, in, in his season he won it and Andy says it's probably the most beautiful thing he'd ever he'd ever seen in his life so the the, the guys the guys that have you know the stuff like some of the Yelovich and Kenny Mellon Chris Boyd and Mendo Foe Alfredo Morelos they've all won it so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thing and the family having spoken to the family the family are, are just so proud that he was he was recognised because also there was a plaque put up outside his birthplace and in Northern Ireland, uh, he's, he's he's in the Hall of Fame. He's he even had a mural in East, a mural in East Belfast, a beautiful mural that unfortunately was taken down because the gable end was unsafe. So <laughs> that, last, that that stayed that stayed for quite a while. So that was I've got <laughs> photographs. So that was that was beautiful. Spoke to the guys that done it. A real labour of love. It was it was uh, it was all the Rangers players from Northern Ireland that had played for Rangers. They played for the senior team that's called the Ulster Connection. But Sam was the focal point. So so when. Size of Sam, so they wanted to. They want the. There's, there's this feeling among certain Rangers fans that Sam English, Sam English is forgotten because of what happened. Mm. Nobody wants to talk about the the terrible tragedy that befell John Thompson, but but it's, it's quite clear that Sam English was completely blameless in it. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of Rangers fans have felt you know he didn't he didn't do anything wrong. He was he was part of the accident, and you know that. Obviously, obviously, didn't mean to do anything, anything wrong, and, and the wee bit of party and news footage, footage that still exists, clearly shows that. So they wanted to try and bring his name into the fore and, and get him up, get him up there with a lot of other Rangers players that achieve things. And the fact that you know it's all these years later, nobody's still beat, not even the great Alan McCoy has beaten his forty-four league goals uh, record. It, it's test, testimony to testament to what he actually achieved. It was something special. No, absolutely. You mentioned that you I mean you spoke to the family and what have you. Was it enjoyable then doing the research in this book, Jeff? And what was the sort of family's reaction against? It? I guess they're delighted to see Sam's um, name sort of brought to the fore in, in this way. 
Yeah, absolutely. The, the, first of all, the research was, I, I think it was seven years from start to finish, wow. although I did a couple of books in between, but the, the, the research is the part that I enjoyed the most and, and finding out about new players and, and just, yeah. just tactics and the way they played and all these things. Uh, and and I, I did the Mark Walters book, a, a book for Mark Walters in 2018, and a guy, guy from Yoker got in touch with me, Campbell, the secretary of Yoker, and he wanted to buy a couple of books. So I said to him, I'd pop down to a game. I hadn't been in a game from Yoka for years. Uh, and I, when I went down, I introduced myself to him. And I, I asked him, if, I said, I'm researching Sam English. I said, so do you, you know, is there any record still uh, survived from the 19, late 1920s? And he says, no, unfortunately, there's nothing after an accident at the clubhouse. And he says, uh, but this guy here and the player, it was just about 10 minutes to kick off and the players were just coming off after doing uh, Going back into the dressing room after doing the warm up, and he went, But this guy here, he says it plays for us. He went, That's Sam's great grandson. <laughs> and I thought, Oh my God. So he introduced me to Gregor, who's a lovely guy, uh, plays much the same position as Sam played for Yoka. And in that game I watched, he scored the winning goal at the same end, 90 years to the day that Sam scored the winner in one of his wow. matches at Yoka. So I thought what I would do was end the book, uh, put in an epilogue, and, and make it about Gregor, and make it about that day I watched him watched them playing and I thought it finished off the story quite nicely yeah. you know here, here we are 90 years to the day and Gregor's scoring the winner like his, his great grandfather did yeah. all those years ago so I thought, I thought it was nice and, and but I'm up to so through through meeting Gregor uh, Gregor arranged me to go up to his house and speak to his, his papa who was Sam's son-in-law Ronnie and his, his Gregor's dad Ronnie as well yeah. and I went up and seen the family and they did lots of great photographs and they welcomed into the house and they were fantastic. Uh, yeah, they were they were delighted to see that Sam was getting you know the recognition that they felt he deserved. Yeah. Because I mean, not forgetting he went down he went down to Liverpool, and in his first his first twenty five games he scored eighteen goals, which is yeah. there's only there's only another three players in the history of Liverpool that's done that. And I like one of them was Daniel Sturridge, but you know they've been going a long time, and so he obviously had an impact down there as well. He scored a hat trick against Rapid Vienna in the first season at Liverpool. He was in fire, uh, dropped off again second season syndrome. Uh, dropped off again and all the hassle he was getting so it just shows you that he was he could cut it with the best you know he, he really could and it's just such a shame that he, we, we weren't allowed to see his full potential blossom yeah no absolutely in, in terms of the, the book Jeff if, if if people people want to buy a copy how how do they do so well they can get they can get the book directly from me they can go to my website which is jeffholmes.co.uk or go to my twitter which is at jeffh1960 and get in touch with me there. I've got I've got copies for sale, and I've also I've also got special double sided limited edition Sam English bookmarks. Wow. That come, uh, you can't get them on Amazon. <laughs> 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 absolutely terrific, fantastic. Well, Jeff, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Thank you very much for for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's been great, Derek. I love. I could I could talk all night. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know that, don't you? <laughs> That was episode 71 of the Talking Football Podcast with Jeff Holmes. I hope you enjoyed it as ever. If you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on pretty much all podcast platforms. Be also sure to check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Talking underscore Football and we're on Facebook as well. Join me again on Wednesday when I'll be chatting to former Rangers midfielder Thomas Kine-Bendingson. But until then, keep safe and bye for now. Mm-hmm.